Continuing the series spiral with emerging adults with mental illness at the center, along the outbound curve, we experienced a parent, a high school teacher, primary care and emergency doctors, and community services. Now we arrive at mental health providers in the person of Michael Mockgreenberg, who administers an integrated system of mental health medical services, McLean Hospital, of the preeminent healthcare system, Mass General Brigham's Hospital. I met Michael working together at Boston Children's Hospital. Michael was the administrative director of the Department of Medicine, and I led the Patient Family Experience Initiative. We both left Boston Children's more than 10 years ago. As circumstances allow, we still meet for coffee at least quarterly, in person or virtually. Michael's low-key presentation belies his passion and compassion for emerging adults and people with mental illness. I apologize for some technical difficulties I had in production of this episode. You'll hear some scraping sound throughout the interview. I was unable to remove it. And Michael came out looking awful red. And I adjusted as best I could, and I look a little blue. So I have some production skills to learn. Thanks. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege who knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. Like what you're reading, hearing, or watching? Go to my webpage, health-hats.com support to choose a method of support that suits you. Thank you. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I love seeing you. This isn't our usual coffee at Pete's. Always good so to much. be with you, Danny. Always yeah. good to be with you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for asking to chat. Yeah. Michael, when, were, when did you first realize health was fragile? Wow. That's, I have to think for a moment. I am fortunately a pretty healthy guy. And my own personal experience with fragile health is pretty limited. I suppose as a kid growing up, there being important people, grandparents, great-grandparents, it comes when you start realizing you can lose people. Those people who have been important in your life aren't around anymore. And I'm fortunate that with limited exception, that hasn't been too terribly dramatic or traumatic. But I think in the course of growing up and just realizing the people you love aren't around forever, 
that gives you a thought about how important life is. Yes. Thank you. Um, the reason that we're talking is that you're a director. I don't know your formal title, so you can tell us, but you're a director of an adolescent mental health system. Could you tell us about what it is you do? Sure. So I work at McLean Hospital, and that's a private psychiatric hospital, part of the Mass General Brigham system. Some folks might have heard of it. My roles at McLean include being the senior director for child and adolescent psychiatry, and I'm also one of the interim associate chief operating officers at McLean. So I have a role that's specifically related to children, youth, and families, and I have a role regarding the executive leadership of the hospital. And so are the services you provide um, inpatient? Are they inpatient and outpatient? What's the, the array? So it's a very wide range. Within the child and adolescent division, we have two inpatient units, probably six or eight residential treatment units of various types, um, four or five partial hospital day programs. We have an outpatient clinic that provides what you might think of as your typical outpatient care, but there are also subspecialty components to it that include neuropsychological testing. We have two licensed special education schools. One is general high school, if you will, for kids who have emotional problems that impair their ability to effectively participate in education in a typical school setting. We also have a licensed school for kids who are on the autism spectrum. We have a school consultation service that provides education and um, outreach to um, a number of school districts across Massachusetts. I have to think if I've left anything out. Well, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. We're trying to meet folks where they are and provide services at the level that people need. And yeah, so we have a pretty wide array of care. How do people find you? Do they get referred by primary care physicians? Do they get referred by community counselors, psychiatrists? Is there like an emergency room that you have? Or, you know, how do how people access? So folks get to us from a variety of avenues. It can be everything from, frankly, Google and people doing searches on the internet to see the services that we have. We have a large network of um, coordinated care with primary care uh, doctors, in fact, you remind me, I uh, should have mentioned, in addition to all those other services we mentioned, I mentioned McLean Hospital is part of the 
Massachusetts Child Psychiatry Access Project, or MCPAP. That's a consortium of hospitals across Massachusetts that provide uh, consultation and referral to many primary care doctors across Massachusetts. So you can get to us from the internet. Wait a minute. So referral, so is that referral to meaning that people are patients at McLean and then there's a referral to primary care that's comfortable managing? Um, Typically the other way, if I'm a primary care doctor and I have a youngster with a psychiatric issue, and I want to consult with the child psychiatrist about what medication might be appropriate, Mm. what clinical services might be indicated. And if I sign up to be part of the MCPAP network, I can reach out according to the protocol we have. And within about 30 minutes or an hour, I'll be on the phone with the child psychiatrist at least having an initial chat about what it is that's on my mind. And then we can, and then we also schedule face-to-face consultations with kids, but we would support that primary care practice in understanding what resources, not exclusively within McLean, but across the whole community, Mm -hmm. you might refer if you're looking for a therapist or something like that. I was telling you before we before we started recording that I had interviewed somebody who was the chief medical officer of a state Medicaid. His background was he's a primary care physician who has a strong interest in behavioral health mm-hmm. and young people. And one of the things that he talked about was that these are my words, not his, that there's a cohort of primary care physicians that are comfortable with behavioral health issues and then seek advice. And then there's those that are at sea, you know, it's not their wheelhouse. And so he said that he spent time in his role trying to increase the proportion of primary care physicians that were comfortable keeping young people and treating them with advice. But I think his challenge was finding the advice. Like I don't, he didn't talk about a network like you've just spoke about. Yeah. So we it would be interesting for this individual to become more familiar both with McPap as one example, but the other exciting news is that the model of McPap has been implemented in other states in the United States. I don't know which state this individual was representing, but it is a model that's transferable to other areas. And it's for exactly that purpose that we want to help primary care doctors retain patients in their practice with a feeling of confidence that they can take care of them appropriately and a sense of not being alone, that they can reach out and talk with somebody and get advice. It is purely for consultation. The design of McCaff is not to take over care. Right from the primary care doctor, the pediatrician. 
I know that you and I have talked before, and it comes up with almost everybody I talk with either the reality or the perception of an explosion in young, young adult, emerging adults, whatever we want to call them, an increasing need that was already pressing, but then COVID, the challenges of COVID made it either more, more or more aware. Is that something you guys are dealing with? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was certainly a strong need for mental health services prior to the pandemic. And certainly, as the pandemic has continued, and even now, as we like to think we're getting the better of it, or is beginning perhaps to turn the corner, um, we are seeing absolutely an uptick in need and referral. I know we're going to talk more specifically about kids and young adults. We see it at McLean Hospital across all age groups. These have been very difficult years for folks of all ages. And so I think the factors that have contributed to making it difficult have had certainly a meaningful impact on children and families. And so it would seem that in terms of capacity, there's space and staff. I'm sure you know of more important factors than space and staff, but those are the ones that I'm aware of. And I'm remembering that at one point you and I talked about that you had added beds or were adding beds and that you still had a really quite an impressive waiting list of is that is that something you're in the middle of sure so uh, a couple of things we have over the course of the pandemic mclean hospital has actually opened an additional 100 inpatient beds wow. just in the last few years um, there was first an adult inpatient opened on an additional in, adult inpatient opened on the campus in Belmont. And then there were three inpatient units opened at a new site in Middleborough, Massachusetts. We already had a presence in Middleborough, but then we took on another building and opened three more units, two for adults and one for teenagers kids age 13 to 18. So the aggregate of all of that over the last couple of years has been 100 beds. And yes, it is having the space. It's having the staff. And uh, and it's being able to have the money to pay staff the increasing wages that are necessary and appropriate, but also a result of a very tight labor market. So there's a lot of competition for recruiting and having the right staff is expensive. And so it becomes uh, it becomes a challenge, uh, a challenge to make sure that you're running those beds in the safest, most thoughtful way to have the staff to do that. And sometimes we have beds that 
we're not yet able to open because we don't have enough nurses or doctors to be able to take care of all those patients. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of effort. It's a constant, yeah. constant challenge we're working on. When you talk about staff, is is do you have like peer support as staff? People with trained people with lived experience. Is that part of your staffing or is that more of a community-based thing? Because the need for mental health care is really shared by all of us, all of us in the community need to be attentive to our own emotional well-being and taking good care of ourselves and each other. Many of us have some lived experience in terms of being in therapy or needing treatment or whatnot. Um, We don't have, as a formal part of our recruitment process, the notion that we're recruiting people who have lived experience in that way. We're certainly looking for people who are trained and empathic and who are committed to, to doing a very good job. And I would suppose there are a number of folks within the population of our staff who have some lived experience, but we typically do not recruit people with the idea in mind that we're looking for folks who've had mental health histories. Mm-hmm. Are that kind of resources available for folks? And we can help them find those sort of peer support groups, which can be very important but we find that as a useful addition to the staff that we hire and the qualities we look for in the people we recruit. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Record your healthcare conversations with doctors and other clinicians with Abridge. Push the big pink button and record. Read the transcripts or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com, A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com, or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Let me know how it went. I need help. I've expanded my podcast this year to include video. And costs have surged to fifteen grand annually, while each episode takes 30 to 40 hours to produce. With growing content and shrinking bandwidth, I need support to keep creating without impacting our retirement funds. As I look towards the next five to ten years, I'm building a production team of emerging adults to carry this project forward. This succession planning requires resources. But here's the deal. You can help. Visit health-hats.com support for ways to contribute. Best option? Patreon offers a monthly subscription with bonus content, Zoom meetings with me and fellow contributors, personal Barry Sachs MP3s, Woohoo! Coaching sessions and more. Occasional donations are welcome, and you can still subscribe for free to enjoy bonus episodes. 
You can also recommend us through email, social media, or postcards. Postage on us. Visit health-hats.com slash support. Your support is deeply appreciated. Thank you. You're talking about the collaboration of this network with primary care. It seems like the, to me, the, the integration of all the different needs that people and families have is a key to successful, like the public health of mental illness. And I know you and I met at Boston Children's where you were the administrative lead for the Department of Medicine. Both of us were very active in building coalitions and whether they were internal or external to um, accomplish what we, the mission that we were charged with or bought into anyway. So how about that kind of those coalitions with community? It, It seems like this is just my thinking that it's really hard because while you're local and that you're in Massachusetts and you're with a particular health system, you're also well known. And so people come from and go to a pretty widespread area geographically. And so building coalitions widely is a lot more challenging. I think the coalitions out is harder than the coalitions in. Just saying that, I, I don't really know. So first, absolutely, McLean Hospital is a very well-known institution, and we do have many folks from Massachusetts. We are based in Massachusetts, although not exclusively in Massachusetts. We have a site in Maine and a site in Texas, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But we do have folks from all over the country who come to some of our programs. And frankly, we have people who come from all over the world for some of the programs as well. I agree with you, Danny, that coalitions and partnership are key to success and um, thoughtful advancement and effective care. I'll give you a few examples of how we try to make partnerships that are in the best interest of good health care in our patients. The first is along the continuum of all the programs that I described to you, one of the things that I have worked very hard at as the, as the senior director of the division is to have those programs know each other, cooperate, and work together, either on the individual level when patients are referred from one program to another, or on a broader programmatic level where we get leaders from different programs together to talk about the services they provide, the needs of the kids that they're meeting, the needs of the kids they feel frustrated and yet unable to meet, and how the different programs can work together, either again to the benefit of a particular child or to come up with some new 
program or intervention that could be more broadly administered. I mentioned the McPAP program, which is an effort for us to partner with primary care docs, pediatricians across Massachusetts. And I mentioned the school consultation program, which is our partnership with school districts across Massachusetts, where we're not only providing education about clinical intervention, understanding mental health topics, but we're providing support to school staff who are certainly dealing with many of the challenges. And then finally, one of the key pillars of McLean Hospital is academics and research. We have a lot of exciting research happening. We have colleagues around the hospital participating in national meetings and presenting um, talks and papers and being part of leadership work groups. And so we try to plug into the networks that are available in ways that are certainly enriching to the staff at McLean and hopefully to the benefit of the patients we're trying to serve. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. I think partnership engagement is very enriching and really important. I have two more things I want to ask you. The first is, do you have, is it part of your work, do you have like advisory panels of community members, parents, primary care clinicians that help evaluate your work or make recommendations or talk about what's happening outside of your facility? Sure, yes. So we do have parent and family advisory groups that are part of the fabric of the hospital, and they're designed for listening and learning so that we can hear from families what their experience has been, their what their recommendations are. And I agree, I think that's a, a very important, very important. We want to be available to share the knowledge that we have to the benefit of the folks who are coming to us for help and advice. And we also want to make sure that we never forget the importance of listening and paying attention because mm -hmm. there's always something you can learn from yeah. the person who you're talking with. I think that kind of thoughtfulness and humility would be important to any institution continuing yeah. to be strong. So I absolutely, absolutely. All right. So my last my last thought is so if you were queen for a day and you could wave your magic wand and change something that would either make your staff's life or your patient and family's life easier, what would it be? Mm. Hard to pick just one. Oh, Hard so to... pick two. So many. so many wishes. One thing we continue to pay attention to is what has traditionally been the stigma of mental health 
And I think this is beginning to change, and I'm grateful for that. But I feel we still have the opportunity to continue to do better. It has been for many years that if one were to share a mental health problem, you can risk folks perceiving or the individual feeling like there's some weakness or inferiority or be met with mm. judgment, this kind of thing. We don't judge people's character because they have cancer or diabetes. Right. But there has been that unfortunate potential to look with some amount of judgment when folks talk about depression or anxiety yeah. or whatever it is. They, and it's they, hard to get, if you feel that, it's hard to get care and help early. It's very, yes, absolutely. Such an important point you make. We're available for people who are wanting and willing to come and work with us. And I think folks feeling that it's okay. Now, we do see a lot more these days of prominent public figures making public statements about the appropriateness and the necessity of good mental health care. I also do want to celebrate there is a a very important nationally recognized destigmatizing healthcare campaign that's run through McLean Hospital. We have various uh, patients, public figures, celebrities giving testimonials. It's often arranged in a visual display. It's been at Logan Airport. It's been at many other public venues. But to get back to your question, if I were king of the world and could wave the wand, I think minimally I would want to level the landscape between physical health and mental health and help people realize that we're all human. We all have our vulnerabilities. We all deserve to have care and understanding without judgment, without self-recrimination. And, um, you know what, I'm just going to go with that one, because if I could actually pull that off, that would be enough accomplishment. So that would be all right. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been rich. Thanks for all you do. Always good to chat with you. Yeah, thank you. My first job in healthcare was as an aide at the Detroit Psychiatric Institute, DPI. I got the job because I didn't want to cut my hair. I had a choice between reading water meters or as an aide. The water meter gig paid more. But I was a privileged white boy from the suburbs and couldn't bring myself to cut my hair. The Psychiatric Institute was an inner-city monstrosity with very sick people, very sick poor people, mostly of color. One supervisor resented me and set me up in dangerous situations, leaving me alone with delusional angry people. I got hurt several times. Another supervisor was impressed with my courage 
and naivete. He taught me and protected me. My nursing supervisor introduced me to the idea of nursing school and convinced me to apply. The rest is history. I tell that story to reflect on how different the DPI was from McLean. McLean is more for privilege and DPI for people experiencing poverty and down and out. The institutional practice of mental health care changed a lot over 55 years. The Detroit Psychiatric Institute closed in the late 1990s. While inpatient treatment of emerging adults with severe mental illness is, on average, considerably more humane than my experience at the DPI, we have a long way to go. Michael Mock Greenberg confirms that we lack sufficient beds and licensed professionals to staff those beds. And mental illness continues to be a stepchild of physical health, as if they can be separated. I'm not sure why producing this episode so depresses me. Michael is a compassionate, passionate, tireless leader of the best this country has to offer. I should feel positive and hopeful. We've come a long way, my friends. And yet... Host, write, record, edit, engineer, and produce Health Hats the Podcast with production assistance from Kayla Nelson from website and social media consultation and managing dissemination, plus Leon Van Leeuwen for transcript editing. Joey Van Leeuwen supplies musical support, especially for the podcast intro and outro. I play Barry Sachs on some episodes alone or with the Lechuga Fresca Latin Band. I'm grateful to you who have the most critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers. Please subscribe and contribute on Patreon. Help me keep the lights on and out of my retirement funds. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, health-hats.com and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at dvanleu, D-V-A-N-L-E-E-U. Link in the show notes. If you like it, share it. See you around the block. Mm-hmm.